Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please bring me back my child. That's all I ask from you is my child back. July 10th, 1998. The day held so much promise for Shannara Mobley. For the Jacksonville teenager, the birth of a baby girl that Friday morning gave her new purpose. The chance to make her troubled life right. But in a matter of hours, it all went so wrong. That's when a woman... A woman dressed in scrubs. Hi, I'm Mark Woods. I'm here with another Page One podcast, um, a, a, a special one today. We have investigative reporter Eileen Kelly, and this is kind of a uh, a podcast about a podcast. Um, you've been quite busy. She has been working on what we've titled "Have You Seen Kamaya?" It's our the Times Union's first ever serial podcast, um, um, planning five episodes first released Tuesday, July 10th, because that's the 20th anniversary of the kidnapping of hours old Kamaya Mobley from a Jacksonville hospital. Um, The episodes will be available at jacksonville.com slash Kamaya, K-A-M-I-Y-A-H, Apple Podcasts and other popular podcast apps. And um, first episodes will be telling this in a chronological order, so maybe um, I'll let you kind of explain what what the podcast is, and I don't know if you want to start with also just had a big Sunday story um, that the title online is I'm Still Lost. Maybe talk about that Sunday story. Thanks, Mark. Yes, uh, sometime, in, sometime in May, um, my editor, Mary Kelly Polka, came to me and said, clear your plate, you're going to be really busy for the next six weeks. And I said... Um, well, I really don't want to clear something because Gloria Williams is going to be sentenced. And she's like, it has to do with this. So I later went into her office, and she had presented the idea of the Times Union um, giving a try at a serial podcast um, done in kind of narrative story form. And she tapped me, and which I guess makes sense because I've been writing about this for two years now. Um, I went up to South Carolina in January 2017 when we got word that there was a break in this case, and um, I've been writing about it quite a bit since. So I did learn that writing a podcast is a bit different than writing a news story. Um, I was Mary Kelly and I were, were driving to an interview to interview Nat Glover, the sheriff at the time, and I was so proud of how I began it, and I was reading it to her, and... <laughs> She was pretty funny, like, okay, you're you're being too much Eileen Kelly, the news reporter. <laughs> right. You need to be Eileen Kelly, the storyteller, because you've just given away the ending in the first five minutes. Hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I stepped back, and I mean, it still is very much, you know, writing as a journalist and reporting, um, but it's more like writing a screenplay, because it's done in um, a narration. Mm-hmm. And so, episode one, which, as Mark said, comes out tomorrow, um, 
we take you to that very first day, that absolutely horrific day for Shannara Mobley and what happened. And I th- really do think you're going to enjoy it. It's it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I still I just got a little tiny sneak peek, and yeah, it was pretty pretty powerful. And it's obviously different from others of us in here trying our hand at podcasts. But you're we're just basically sitting here chatting, and and you you've taken old clips mm-hmm. and a lot of fresh interviews yes. and so there's this is highly reported highly produced by um, Gary Mills so yeah talk about one of the you you interviewed Chinara Mobley um, that's one of the more one example of the reporting you've done talk about that interview I did from my understanding well 20 years ago she was out you know um, in front of the television cameras and speaking with news reporters, she was desperately trying to get the word out that she wanted her baby. And at the 10-year anniversary, former colleague Jim Shotler did a uh, wonderful story about her, about the last 10 years of her life. And then she pretty much said she was done with the media and society too. She's, she's very haunted by this still 20 years later. She doesn't feel like the community had her back. She feels that people blame her for, you know, saying she had a role in the kidnapping. And she's she's still very much a, a broken 16-year-old, even though she's 36 now. Hmm. And I saw her in court the few days that there was a sentencing hearing. And um, I handed her a business card. And I, you know, introduced myself and told her how sorry I was that... Um, you know, for what she's gone through in life. And just a few weeks ago, I picked up the phone and she agreed to do an interview and she has not done a national interview. So she invited us into her home. We had, we were videotaping it as well as recording it for the podcast. And I told her that, you know, what are, what we were, you know, attempting to do here at the Times Union and Jacksonville.com is to do a, you know, an, you know, a narrative story on what happened and that I really wanted her voice. It was it was time for her to speak her mind about about what's going on, you know, her feelings about Jacksonville, the community, her feelings about her daughter, her feelings about Gloria Williams. And boy, it was a tough interview. It was very emotional. She she's a she's a broken woman. She really is. And I get it. She's 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 really tortured here you know for 18 years she had dreamt about this moment of seeing her little girl again and you know she <laughs> she described she described you know these you know fantasies that pop through your head as, as exactly as I would have thought the same thing you know except for I'd be running through a field of daisies you know mm-hmm. I don't think she said daisies but you know mother daughter running with arms stretched wide mm-hmm. and you know the spinning around and and that's what she envisioned and it it didn't turn out that way for her you know there certainly was the elation but the the two of them are struggling with each other there's there's a deep divide with them and Shannara has has other children and and as well as a teenager and Kamaya was um almost 19 you know when they found her and so she's still you know a little bit of angst, teenager stuff, but and Shinar, you know, said she was prepared for that, but she's not prepared for, 
for her daughter to still love the abductor. Hmm. And it just cuts to her heart. It it truly is destroying her heart. And she's she has this veneer about her where she's she's trying to not let that happen, but it's it's so clearly happening. You know, she's trying to be strong for her other children and to, to go on with life because Kamaya's always been in this backdrop, you know. These kids were raised every one of them have been raised being told a story of the eight hours that she spent with her. And hmm. um her little boy, she has five five children, five other children. Mm-hmm. Um her little boy she's heard him tell people, No, Kamaya's dead and you know, she she said that she would she would try and teach her kids lessons about Kamaya, like you have a sister and this is why you should not steal, like even gumballs kind of thing. You mm. know, and so she would turn it into lessons. But but the one little boy, Christopher, you know, she had heard him saying, Well, I have a sister but she's dead and maybe that's his way of coping or I don't I don't know, mm-hmm. but you know, she never knew if, if if her daughter was alive or dead for all these years and, and had envisioned the arms open wide running scene. And it did not happen. And, oh, Mark, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's, there's that, that one clip that um, we've we've posted some things from the interview. And the one that, uh, I don't know how many shares it's had are already, um, where she says sometimes she thinks it'd be better if Kamaya had not been found. And that kind of gets to that yeah. that rawness you're talking about. Yeah. That, so I, I still lost. It's no winning situation. I don't have a relationship with my child. Right now, speaking at this moment, so I still lost. So what did I gain? Nothing. And honestly, I wish sometimes she would have never came back. I I didn't expect that, um, but she said it numerous times. She wasn't speaking out of anger. She's speaking out of she's truly hurt, and she's trying to she's trying to not hurt anymore because she was she's really trying to hold it together. I mean, she she already had a very tough life, and we talked a lot about that. And the podcast does go into that, the episode one. We'll talk about that. But how Kamaya was supposed to make her life right for the first time. She had a very troubled life. And she she looked at her pregnancy as a sign from God to give her a chance to make her life right. Because she was running away. She was really carrying mm-hmm. on, um, making really bad choices in life. She did not have a stable home. She It was just a giant merry-go-round going from one relative's to the other to, you know, lying about her age to get babysitting gigs where she could st- stay the night, hmm. you know, have money, and then the money allowed her to run the streets. I mean, she was not a sheltered child at all. And I think one of... So, mu- so much still sticks with me here. Um, but... And I didn't... I didn't necessarily know this from the court proceedings i did not know it from the court proceedings or from the news coverage from the times union at the time but she was all alone when she had that baby there was no one there for her Hmm. it's 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 a tragic story and you know i know her daughter's hurting her daughter didn't ask for this her daughter was blindsided by, by this and then had a year and a half to process it before the rest of the world found out. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what really is destroying Shannara. Hmm. You know, I, th- I think Shannara, 
I believe, Shannara, that she was willing to forgive her daughter on some aspects of, well, you're a child and you didn't ask for this, but, but now, that, now that it's over, the court's over, Gloria's in prison, the fact that they're still talking and she still calls her mommy. I think the judge talked about it during the case, how there were really no, yeah, no she's, winners she's, in she this. She said there were no winners. And, you know, there, there are no winners in this. But I don't think that that makes Shannara feel any better. I think she doesn't want Gloria to, to even be considered even her, her feelings to be validated or anything. She's the victim. Yeah, Shannara's not real happy with the judge, um, but there's, you know, her hands were tied. The Shannara had actually told the judge that she thinks that Gloria should have the death penalty, and that was never on the table. Had it gone to trial, she could have received a life sentence. Had it gone to trial in... 1998 like let's say she she was caught a week later she would have spent between four and five years in jail even if even if the baby was abducted in like the 60s or something Mm -hmm. but at that time that's what the sentencing Hmm. guidelines were somewhere around four to five years Hmm. and so it's been very clear from going to all the court proceedings that the defense was always planning on having some sort of plea deal mm-hmm. although I think as a journalist I, I, I wanted there to be a trial because I wanted to see the daughter on the on the witness stand she chose not to during the sentencing hearing um, the, Shannara was on was called up Kamaya's father was called up Craig the grandmother they all gave statements to the judge to help her understand what the impact of, of this kidnapping has done to them but Alexis slash Kamaya um, chose not to. In yesterday's paper, there was this image of of her. Her birth certificate now says Kamaya Mobley, but she's choosing to go by Alexis Manigo. That's mm-hmm. why I'm kind of struggling calling her both. I was going to ask yeah. about that, how you, on yeah. the podcast, how do you refer to her? Obviously, when you're describing the baby being stolen, you're going to say Kamaya. But yes. when you're talking about her in modern-day times, what do you, what well, do you, for, what do you refer to for her? For episode... Uh, episode one is about the kidnapping. Right. It's that day, and so she's Kamaya. Yeah. And then episode two is about the search, this nationwide search. I mean, this story went international 20 years ago, and she's still Kamaya. And episode three, which I'm currently working on, <laughs> this really has been an amazing labor of love here. She's going to be both. It depends on where I am. Episode three is... is mostly going to be in South Carolina where she was raised and as Alexis. So and speaking of the names, um within the story um Shannara within the story that came out Sunday, you know, Shannara s- said that she was probably going to start calling her Alexis. Which oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, I saw that quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's she, she's trying to protect her heart and if she's if she's Alexis and she's not Kamaya, she's not her daughter. She's just some a girl named Alexis, you know. Hmm. So, you mentioned South Carolina. Tell me where you've, where all you've gone to tell, to retell this story, and 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 you've been thinking in terms of not just having your notepad out, but um. Oh yeah. So now it's it's carrying you know a recorder of some um, of some sort. You know, going into people's homes and talking, doing some interviews. I um, interviewed John Rabin. Uh, for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. He was one of the founders, and this was his case. Hmm. And 
yeah, he was telling me that you, you don't forget your cases and you certainly don't forget Kamaya. I mean, he didn't even have his file with him. He was speaking from, I believe he's in Georgia, um, and he, not up in Alexandria where the office is. And he was going from memory, and it was a very solid memory of what it was like down here. I mean, he came down and pulled everyone together, the FBI, the police, the nurses. He got another sketch artist. Um, he said, the sketch is not going to work. You know, you... If you want people to see the sign, to notice the sign of this missing baby, you have to have a photo. And, and there were no photos hmm. taken. Um, this is you know pre-cell phones and mm-hmm. all of that. She's a 16-year-old. There was no family photos of the mother and daughter. I mean, the only tangible thing she had was footprints. That's the only thing that the hospital actually did. They, the hospital was supposed to photograph the baby, and that's you know, some of the new details that we found out. Mm. Um, that was protocol for exactly that reason for in the event there's a kidnapping hmm. and they did not do it the hospital failed in so many ways hmm. and then you went you went up to South Carolina I, I did but this was pre-podcast oh okay <laughs> yes yeah, so and I was I was up there for the uh, the breaking news story right. in January 2017 but you have that in your head for the storytelling and yes yes I mean oh yeah I, those... I, I was there for several days you know, getting to know the area, um, trying to, you know, get family to talk, went to went to their church, we were invited in, all of that, and they said, um, <laughs> the pastor was just blown away by this too. Um, Gloria was very much a God-fearing, church-going woman that did a lot for her church, and uh, so did the woman that, the young girl she raised as her own daughter. You know, you could just in spite of the the joyous atmosphere for any Sunday service that's you know around scripture and gospel music which was just the music was fabulous um you could see the you could see the pain because they were like all bewildered by this too I mean the unimaginable didn't just happen to Shannara Mobley it happened to this community of what did who is this little girl what you know it's Mm -hmm. people could not wrap their heads around this up there Hmm. Obviously, you weren't. You said you were living in. Where were you living at this point? 20? I was living. I was living in Sarasota in 1998. Do you remember? I them? do. I do. When I was driving up to when I was driving up to Walterboro, I, I was saying, "Oh my gosh, I remember this. I absolutely remember this hunt for this little baby." I, we were all standing around the television when they, you know, they had said, "Get to," sent out media releases saying, "Get to the sheriff's office." We have, you know. Um, something really important to tell you, and some of our you know, crime beat reporters were hearing that it had to do with the kidnapping. And I remember looking up at the TV, I was just shaking my head and just like getting all nervous. And Ben Carnock, one of our newer reporters, says, you're dying to go up there, aren't you? And I was like, yes, send me, send me. And they said, go, and I went. And you, you interviewed folks who were here. Uh, Tom Wills was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, WJXT anchor who mm-hmm. was one of the people who um, and how was he talking about this? Oh, he's just such a wealth of knowledge. I mean, this is one of those stories that doesn't leave you, you know, even even though every day is a new story when you're a journalist, this is one that really, really, you remember just, you know, just like the guy from the National Center said, you don't forget certain things. Um, and he was great. He, they gave us some footage um, and he provided some insight because, again, I wasn't here, but I, I was watching the news back in Sarasota and reading about this case. Um, we also spoke to Nat Glover. Um, I'm hoping um, that I can get 
Kamaya Alexis. She's been do- she has done some interviews, but I believe she sold the story to ABC. So because they're planning to make a movie, Lifetime ABC. Hmm. So hmm. we shall see. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna make another attempt and head head north for this. Um, yeah, it's it's been an amazing journey. It's been it's been fun to see how it all works out because I've always wanted to do a podcast. Gary has just done an extraordinary job putting this together, and it's it's really been a great labor of love for us. Have you listened to other serial podcasts before this, or have you listened after this? To, to um, I did. That was one of my homework assignments that Mary Kelly gave me. <laughs> she told me to stay out of rabbit holes <laughs> and to listen to a few. You know, I'm constantly tuned into NPR, and I think that that helped me just in terms of not just the you know, morning edition type things, but, you know, like the reveal and just, Mm -hmm. you know, storytelling. Um, But yeah, so Mary Kelly, you know, did suggest that I do that. And she and Gary have been pulling a lot of audio and looking at, um, you know, trying to find voices for this as well. So it's, you know, we've all been working really hard and we're really proud. We are incredibly proud of of episode one. Episode two is, is wrapped up too. Um, I have not heard it yet. I'm hoping later today we won't, so that I can, you know, we can make some changes if we need to. I'm writing three. I'm interviewing for five right now. I'm, in, you know, trying to balance them all out. So. And are you enjoying? This oh is very gosh. different. I'm loving it. Okay. I'm absolutely loving it. You know, I do have experience in narrative storytelling. Sure. And and so in in many ways it's it's a lot like it. But this is kind of like the old radio program, you know, it's just dramatic and it just, it takes you through a story of, of, you know, it's just a story of betrayal and lies, you know, and hope. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the Sunday story, well, I'll read the start of it. Uh, each year she'd buy a cake for the little girl she didn't know. Sometimes there'd be family, family trips or a big party in honor of the girl that wouldn't be there. Sometimes it wasn't so splashy but always there was a cake with candles and she'd make a wish or two. I was like, wow. Um, and then I remember that detail when you, um, yeah. during the course of this all playing out. So is that a part of the, that obviously was a great, compelling, chilling detail mm-hmm. for storytelling in a print form. Did, is that a factor? Did you use that in the, in I, the podcast? I do for episode two. Okay. We end, episode two is about the search you know, going from that first day to to into the future about, you know, all the leads and, you know, with the interview with the National Center, um, with the Sheriff's Office, you know, how uh, Shannara and uh, the baby's father, Craig Aiken, how they were suspects this whole time. And it, it does end with that scene setter of Shannara buying this cake. What she would do, she would have a birthday party every year on July 10th. And she would cut a piece for herself, and then she'd cut a piece for her little girl, the little girl that wouldn't be there. And then she'd wrap it in the freezer just in case. And then each year when just in case didn't come, meaning, you know, her coming home, she would she would toss it, you know, a few months later, either when she moved or got a new refrigerator. And then the following year she'd start again. And each year, you know, another cake, another wish, another year without her daughter. So that's how we, you know, episode two ends. It's um, I was getting pretty teared up when I was when I was reading it. Um, you got emotional. 
it, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, m- I imagine with some of this, you actually had to do the the opposite dial back the narrative to make it straight more straightforward. Um, like, not yeah. For not, for episode two is is a little bit more of that. It's it's you, telling you what happened, but it's ending with it's ending with some emotion um, right. and all that. But um, so well, I look forward to hearing more than the little snippet I've been allowed to hear so far, hearing the whole first episode and the second and third, fourth, and fifth. I'll go listen right away. Okay. <laughs> it's at jacksonville.com slash Kamaya, K-A-M-I-Y-A-H. That's where it'll be found mm-hmm. for everybody in Apple Podcasts and other popular podcast apps. Um, and then each week, each Tuesday will be the next episode. So episode two will be next Tuesday. Right. Mm-hmm. So... And not just on jacksonville.com, but um, we'd love it if you subscribe and um, take a listen. I, I really do think you're going to enjoy it. It's, it's been an incredible process doing this, and I'm very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well, proud. We're proud you're doing it. <laughs> Thank and you. And we can, we can cut this part, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I know I thought about, you know, you, you just lost your mom. And, you know, for you to be working on this, you know that's what we that's what we do but to be telling a story of a mom yeah um <laughs> the first day we went to tape i was having a tough day and you were there to help me um i used to talk to my mom a lot and she would always whenever i called her on the way in she would say do good at do good at work eileen you know my mom raised kids and um, I kind of broke rank, you know, keeping, <laughs> keeping my name, not having kids, being a career woman, <laughs> um, which probably didn't shock her, but it, it kind <laughs> of did. But I know I, she loved reading my stuff, and I would send her copies, and she would pass it around at where she lived down in South Florida. And so um, I was sitting in Mary Kelly's office. Um, I, she had asked me to do an outline for the, what, what I needed to get to pull this off. In, in terms of what interviews and what photos and what documents. And I don't know, it was probably 15 pages. And she was like, whoa, this is a lot of work. And I kept, I had my phone on my lap and it just started vibrating and vibrating. And my family has had, my brothers and sisters, there's five of us. Um, we've had a group text going since my mom was diagnosed with cancer a year ago. And I just had this horrible feeling and I looked at it and I said, my mom's terminal. And she said, go. And I said, no, 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 I, I, I've got to keep working. And, um, I've seen my mother and I've had amazing times with her, but, um, this, this actually has helped me because I have jumped into this, like Mm. nobody's business except for maybe the pension fund. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I always do that. I, I jump into everything with gusto when I, when, you know, I, when it's a project and um you know I've, I've been telling my mom about it and she died on saturday um i'm sad she didn't get to hear it but um but she yeah knew, she knew all about it yeah and it's yeah, kind of what, what you were yeah. saying that she told you to do this was an, yeah. this is a prime example of it and kind of a well yeah and so i'd come into i'd come into the this recording room with gary and I'd say, you know, do good, Eileen, you know, because the first day I was getting emotional because I am an emotional person. <laughs> um, but it's so it's sad what happened to Shannara, you know. And so as we were recording one, I was, 
you know, it was with a heavy heart, but my heart is also heavy because of my mom, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this podcast has helped me. It's helped pour a lot of my energy and my compassion into this, you know? Um, so thanks for thanks for being there for me too, Mark. I've had some tough days. You've you've seen me s- sitting here crying. So well, we're we're a big team in here, that's for sure. <laughs> so we, I know everybody uh, when they heard about it, everybody in here was feeling for you. So, but yeah, it struck yeah. me that the juxtaposition of you working on this huge, about a mother's huge project yeah. is, which is all about what is a mother? Who's your mo- Who's this girl's mother? And yeah. what? you know her conflicted emotions of of mm-hmm. uh, you can understand why she would f- she wouldn't just go r- running back because yeah. in her head in her mind this woman oh, who sure. she raised didn't, her, she didn't ask for this i mean yeah. and and i really do want to tell her side of the story i was i was feeling sad really sad when i when i sat down to write the story that came out sunday because i kept thinking what what is Alexis slash Kamaya going to think of this? Does she know this? Does she know what Shannara is going through? Um, And I was really, really, really struggling with this. Um, I don't like to inflict pain on people, you know? Um, And as journalists, I mean, you know, we we report the truth and, and, um, but I don't like to intentionally hurt people, you know? And so I, I was really kind of struggling but I, I told Shannara, I, I was like, let us be your voice. You, you, you need to say some things. You know, she's been, she's been tormented for 20 years. And so I let her have her voice. And it's, it is my hope that they can, that they can repair their relationship. Um, you know, Kamaya is a victim in this. She did not ask for this at all. Hopefully, maybe the two of them can sit down with the counselor. Right. There's not going to be... There's clearly not going to be some storybook ending to this story, no. but yeah, maybe there are um, evolutions that are, you, you'll be covering in the future that will somehow um, be positive. I, mean, I guess I, that's would, a, I would like to hope so. You know, I, I do hope so. Well, yeah, you've you've done it. Certainly done it justice, story after story in the, <laughs> in the yeah. print. So yeah, looking forward to. Yeah, give a listen, everybody. All the podcast <laughs> coverage and this new venture for you and for us as a newspaper. So, thanks so much, Eileen. All right, and as my mom said, do good at work today, everybody. <laughs> okay. Perfect sign. Okay. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.